And welcome to Wednesday on the Pure Opelka podcast. It's Mike, and I want to thank you all for the support. So many of you are checking out the podcast and also checking out what I'm doing with Tracy Beans on the Dark to Light podcast. Dark to Light podcast is something we do Mondays, Wednesdays, and usually Fridays. And uh, it's a, an hour long and gets into a lot of the heavy politics stuff and some pretty strong journalist stuff that I think most of you would appreciate. So look for both. But today we're going to get into some of the usual things on which I focus on the Pure Opelka podcast. Uh, starting off with this day in history, the 23rd of March. On this day, back in 1775, Patrick Henry responded with uh, the the yell, give me liberty or give me death. Yes, most of us would rather live struggling as free men than living on our knees. And we would fight for that liberty. And the fight continues. In, um, in 1839, okay, the term okay became part of our language, part of the vernacular. It was popular slang for all correct, and it turned into okay. It morphed into that. Just thinking you'd want to know that. On this date in 1933, the Reichstag in Germany gave Hitler the power to rule by decree, essentially as a dictator, and we all know how horribly that ended. The people should have a say in the running of their country, Leaders should have to be beholden to the people. In 1965, astronaut John Young, who had quite a long career in NASA, including on the space shuttle, but in 1965, he was on the first Gemini flight. The very first Gemini flight that had two astronauts on it, and he sneaked a corned beef sandwich aboard the craft. I love that story. In, uh, in 1983, Ronald Reagan put out a call for new anti-missile technology. I remember he was talking about putting uh, weapons in space or protection in space that a lot of people called it Star Wars. And uh, Reagan was ahead of his time in military thinking that way. We didn't have the right government set up to push forward with some of that technology. And I wonder where we'd be today if we had the protection of the anti-missile technology that Reagan was talking about. It, there was never a firm proposal, but there was a lot of interesting thinking on it. And on this day in 2011, 2011, Elizabeth Taylor passed away at the age of uh, 79, star of 50 films, and you might have been a big fan. I, I was never really like a big Liz Taylor fan. My wife had the opportunity to meet her when she worked on a soap opera, a long time ago, and Liz Taylor requested to be on. And the best story out of that was the fact that Elizabeth Taylor cursed like a sailor when the cameras were off. I, w I wish we had outtakes from that. Joe Biden's headed to Europe for a NATO meeting, and then he's going to go to Poland. I don't know if anything's going to come out of this. Uh, NATO seems to be hamstrung. They don't seem to have the answer to Putin's threats of nuclear and or chemical weapons. I, I'm hearing new sanctions, but we'll see. We'll keep our hopes up. Jen Snarky not traveling with the president because she once again tested positive for COVID. 
just before a trip? Hmm. Think she doesn't like traveling? Maybe. Maybe. Are the sanctions hurting Russia? The Hill has a story. Thehill.com has a story about how the sanctions are affecting Russia. And it's really not concrete as to what they're doing. We know it's hurting the economy, but we don't really see the ultimate crumbling, which is what you need. Because as long as China and India are supporting Russia's oil and coal industries, Russia's going to have some money that it can use to keep this war going. A couple of other stories I want to get to before I play you some clips from yesterday's hearing. And then we have Dr. Roizen joining us. Dr. Michael Roizen of the Cleveland Clinic going to join us for uh, the Wellness Wednesday discussion. Remember when we left Afghanistan and the Taliban told us, oh, yeah, we're going to keep all of the progress for women that uh, you established over the 20 years while we were there occupying and fighting. They promised, right? Well, yesterday the Taliban announced that girls will not be allowed to go to school anymore. So just dial back Afghanistan 25 years. All of that has been canceled. Thanks, Joe Biden. Thank you. Any other big stories we have to get? Uh, keep the people of uh, New Orleans in your in your hearts. Large tornado ripped through one of my favorite cities in the whole world, and there was death and destruction, and uh, it doesn't look good, and they're going to need some help. Can they get a break for New Orleans, please? Can all of us get a break? 80% of us are being hurt by inflation, with the economy being the number one issue. Joe Biden's poll numbers dropped again. He's now at 40% approval, not handling his job very well at all, but you knew that as you look at all of the money you have to put out versus the money coming in. And the smash-and-grab robberies are back. Beverly Hills had a smash-and-grab daytime attack on an upscale jewelry store yesterday. They had sledgehammers and smashed through the glass windows in the front of the store and made off with somewhere between 3 and $5 million in jewelry and watches. Insane. Insane stuff. There's a lot of stuff we could get into today. A lot of things that um, I want to talk about, and we'll do that maybe another time. Uh, but I do want to just throw a couple of things at you from uh, yesterday, from the hearings that we witnessed uh, with uh, Ketenji Brown-Jackson, the Supreme Court nominee, who is um, facing all kinds, all kinds of high-end pressure from uh, the GOP. She's getting nothing, no pressure from the members of the Democrat Party. They're just kissing her butt and bragging on her. But Ted Cruz did a good job yesterday. Josh Hawley did a good job yesterday. I'd even venture a guess that uh, you could say that Lindsey Graham did a good job, even though he stormed out. Lindsey Graham stormed out of the uh, hearing because he does not want anyone let go from Gitmo. And I'm with him on that. I think we need to keep all those terrorists Locked up because remember, they go back to the battlefield and Lindsey Graham brings up a great point in this little rant before he storms out. He talks about where they end up. And well, I'll explain after it with the beginning of the Obama administration, the recidivism rate of the Guantanamo detainees released is five percent. 
Mr. Chairman, according to the Department, uh, Director of National Intelligence, is 31%. Somebody is wrong here. If you're going to talk about what I said, I'm going to respond to what you said. If we close Gitmo and move them to Colorado, do you support indefinite detention under the law of war for these detainees? I would just say uh, I'm giving the facts. And I the answer is sure, no. I want to make sure that it's clear. The 31% you referred to goes back to the year 2009. What does it matter when it goes back to we had them and they got loose and they started killing people? Well, I could just say that uh, if you're one of the people killed in 2005, does it matter to you when we release them? Suggest that a president of your own party released them in. I'm suggesting the system has failed miserably and advocates to change this system like she was in, was was advocating would destroy our ability to protect this country. We're at war. We're not fighting a crime. This is not some passage of time event. As long as they're dangerous, I hope they all die in jail if they're going to go back and kill Americans. It won't bother me one bit if 39 of them die in prison. That's a better outcome than letting them go. And if it costs $500 million to keep them in jail, keep them in jail because they're going to go back to the fight. Look at the friggin' Afghan government. It's made up of former detainees at Gitmo. This whole thing by the left about this war ain't working. Correct, sir. He's 100% right. And now just witness what's happened to the girls in Afghanistan. Now subject to Taliban rule, no education, they will essentially be slaves in their own country. They don't want them to know how to read. Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana also did a great job yesterday. And we're trying to understand where the nominee stands in terms of life, which means in terms of abortion. And he asked the question I always ask when I'm doing interviews outside the Supreme Court regarding the pro-choice and the pro-life people. I ask them, when life begins, tell me when life begins, because when you, I, when you recognize when life begins, well, then you understand about protection of that life and the rights. Here's a little bit from that exchange. When does life begin, in your opinion? Senator, um, I don't know. <laughs> Ma'am? I don't know. Do you I, have a I belief? I, I have um, personal, religious, and otherwise beliefs that have nothing to do with the law in terms of when life begins. Do you, do you have a personal belief, though, about when life begins? I have a religious view. Religious belief? That I set aside when I am ruling on cases. Okay, when, 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 does, uh, when does equal protection of the laws attach to a, to a human being? Well, Senator, um, I believe that the Supreme Court, um, actually, I, I actually don't know the answer to that question. I'm sorry, I don't. Okay. Interesting, right? One of the smartest people in the world doesn't know when life begins. When is she going to find out? I really would like to know. Ted Cruz was great, too. I mentioned that earlier. Ted Cruz was great, especially when he asked uh, the judge about the babies, the idea that uh, babies could be racist and critical race theory. And this very brief exchange happened. Do, do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that, that babies are racist? I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are 
racist. Okay, so, so you agree critical race theory is taught at Georgetown Day School? I don't know because the board is not, um, the board does not control the curriculum. This candidate sits on the board of this school, as does the professor who introduced her, who was also her roommate in college. The connections go way back among the woke. It's disturbing. We could have a really officially woke justice on the Supreme Court. I don't know if there's anything that can be done to stop her confirmation. Just throwing that out there. And, of course, Ted Cruz's questions were called uh, a hate crime by MSNBC commentator Chai Komanduri. Chai Komanduri. You named after a Starbucks drink? It's kind of weird. All right, uh, let's get Dr. Royce in here. We have a lot to talk about in the Wellness Wednesday segment this week, especially Dr. Royzen updating uh, a question that we talked about a long time ago, a question regarding the cause of Parkinson's and can it be traced back to the Spanish flu of 2018-2019. Dr. Royzen next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Dr. Royzen, thanks for joining us. My privilege, Mike. I'm glad you're here because I was talking with a friend of mine about something you and I talked about a long time ago. You, we've been talking about COVID for this is into our third year now. And um, in, in our discussions about COVID, we also talked about how um, during the Spanish flu a century ago, over a century ago, that they had kind of a long COVID thing working there, too, where people who get the the flu and survive it had um, long term effects like we're seeing with some of the people who have long COVID and I swear I thought I remembered you saying that they tracked Parkinson's to people who got the Spanish flu and survived it am I correct in saying that Parkinson's was a side effect or a long term effect of the Spanish flu? Yeah, that's exactly right. And in fact, in Denmark now, they found it's a long-term effect of the influenzas that have come since then. But most of the um, Parkinson's disease in the 50s, 60s, and early 70s were people who um, got the Spanish flu in the 1917 to 19 period and ended up with this long-term effect. And if you look at the effect of the COVID virus, that is, um, if you look at where the viral particles end up in long COVID, um, which we now can identify by uh, um, some sensitive MRI with labeling, with tagging, it turns out that it's in the basal ganglia, which is the area that gets Um, destroyed or disturbed, if you will, abnormal with Parkinson's disease, that is with the abnormal movement and brain functioning. So it's the same thing. Now, the the even more disturbing part of that is they've found that people um, who have developed the flu, the regular flu, um, that is, they looked in Denmark at people who got the flu versus those who got immunized and did not get the flu, um, the particles in a significant number of them, of the flu 
meaning the viral particles, end up in those same basal ganglia. So we worry that the cognitive dysfunction, the movement dysfunction, the long-term disability of Parkinson's disease um, will be a adverse result of the law of, of what we call long COVID or of um, the people who uh, do not completely recover from uh, the coronavirus back coronavirus um, infections. So you're and you said something in there that kind of caught my ear, Doc. You said that we now apparently have um, a, a method of identifying long COVID, the brain fog, the exhaustion that some people experience after apparently recovering from COVID, but not completely. And that's using a, a special sensitive MRI with, I think you said tagging. Right. And when you do that, it looks like the viral particles, the virus itself is living in the, um, or is existing in the basal ganglia of the brain. Now, the, the interesting component of that is that the, the thing we do not understand long COVID, um, just like we didn't understand uh, the long Spanish flu symptoms, um, but the, you know, a third of people get better after they get vaccinated that, or boosted. Um, that is, they get rid of their long COVID symptoms. And so um, we think that a group of the people with long COVID actually have persistent virus as opposed to, and that, and that the vaccine uh, and immunologic response to it somehow gets rid of it. So the vaccine and the response to it might help anybody with long COVID defeat long COVID, even though they've currently got it. Correct. Okay. That's, that's heartening though. That is heartening. So that's good. Now, so I sent you one other weird story that I saw that involves, I believe LSU uh, medical and um, the Karolinska Institute overseas. And I think it's Sweden. And they said there's been some development on a nasal spray that might uh, either retard or reverse Alzheimer's. Have you heard anything about this? Well, this is a study in mice, and you've got to say, okay, mice are one species. I'd like to see it in a second species, and then what you want to do is see it duplicated in humans. Because, as you know, if you give mice enough orange juice, they'll develop cancer, and if you give them a little orange juice, they'll get cured of cancer. So mice aren't the perfect human, if you will, um, animal replica on these things. But what this is, is a, um, if you will, oh, an omega, it's a fat emulsion or a fat solution that you squirt up the nose and whether it traps the particles or whether it helps protect the brain or whether it decreases inflammation in the brain isn't exactly clear its mechanism. But at least in the animal model of Alzheimer's, which involves inflammation in the brain, just like the human model, the human do, um, it uh, was able to significantly decrease the dementia of Alzheimer's disease. Now, um, 
is this because, in other words, one of the most interesting things is there are a bunch of studies now in humans, not randomized control, not good enough data yet, but pretty good data, implied data, where uh, if you um, stimulate your olfactory nerve, the olfactory nerve is the one you smell with and goes right through the nasal plate into the brain. So it's the only one of the cranial nerves that doesn't uh, synapse or doesn't connect with another nerve to go to the brain. This one goes directly to the brain through the holes in the upper part of your um, back of your nose called the cribriform plate. And um, maybe it's blocking uh, infections getting in. So part of the, one of the theories of um, Alzheimer's disease, as well as a number of the other dementias, are that you get a viral infection or you get some form of infection through um, either your mouth or nose, and that this stimulates um, inflammation, which causes destruction of nerves, which causes um, the uh, lack of cognitive function, lack of brain functioning, lack of memory, or that that causes what we call Alzheimer's disease. Now, nothing is assured, but um, there are a number of other approaches, and, and that's what is so nice about this. This is just a new approach um, that is... Uh, being used to try in the animal models of um, Alzheimer's disease. Now, there's a long way from mouse models. Remember, we've got about, um, I think, 20 drugs that have worked in the mouse or in mouse and rats that have failed human trials so far. Okay. So um, we shouldn't get too excited about this, but it, it, it is just wonderful. You know, there, there are, I think, over 170 different drug trials for um, prevention of dementia now going on or well, treatment of it. it. It sure sounds like we keep inching closer and closer. I just wish they would speed it up. Uh, his name is Michael Roizen. He's my buddy. He's with the Cleveland Clinic. He's my go-to on medical research, and he, he's got great books out there. But we talk every week about current medical research that you can apply to make yourself healthier and live younger. And Doc, one of the things you're always bugging me about is my sleep patterns, because I'm terrible. I get about five and a half to six hours of sleep a night, and I try and squeeze in a nap every now and then. This week on the research, you you have the question, how long should you nap? So how long should I be napping? Well, before you get there, I'm going to give you a scary bit of news, and then we'll go to the napping, if that's okay with you. Oh, great. You're going to um, scare the hell out of me about my sleep habits. All right. No, go it's ahead. not about sleep. It's actually don't throw your mask away. I just wanted to complete the, uh, the COVID story because – we hope it's going away, and we hope it's not um, going to come back with any wild variant. But they've just identified a new variant that, to me, is very scary. And so don't throw your masks away yet. Don't throw um, your protections away yet. But it, it 
does also tell you one of the silver linings of the, um, if you will, the, the warp speed on the vaccines that have been developed. So let me go through it. There's a new variant identified that is a BA2. Remember, the BA2 is the variant of Omicron that has the spike protein of the BA2. So it's very infectious. It transmits well from person to person, but has the body of the Delta, which means it's very lethal. Um, hmm. And so they're trying to contain this. Um, I don't, they, they haven't given information on where this got isolated from, but it obviously means that someone had the infection of both the Omicron and the Delta at once for this uh, coronavirus to form with a BA2 um, spike and a Delta body. Um, kind of the worst of both worlds, uh, very infectious and very lethal. Now, the great news is that because of the Omicron and BA2 infections, the Moderna and Pfizer and the other vaccine companies are working on a booster against the BA2, which would prevent this if it occurred in assuming we get that uh, booster vaccine. And they say that booster that's specific to the BA2 will be available somewhere between three and six weeks from now. So um, that's one of the silver linings of this vaccine warp speed development that we're going to be able to adjust to the variants pretty darn quickly and be able to not have to worry about them as much, assuming um, that uh, we uh, accept the booster as, as is. Well, I was hoping to get rid of the mask because I want to do some traveling and I kind of like the idea of seeing people's faces. We'll keep an eye on that, Doc. I got about three and a half minutes left here. It's actually getting, maybe three. It's getting kind of tight. Uh, how long should I be napping? Let me try and burn through some of your hot research topics. Uh, too. Okay, no longer than an hour. And the reason is because you'll develop what we call sleep inertia in an hour. You'll get into deep wave sleep. And then you'll feel groggy in addition to not being able to go to sleep well at night. So the ideal is around 20 minutes. That's what we call the power nap where you get refreshed and get ready to work again. Um, but the maximum time is an hour because after that, sometime between uh, 70 and 90 minutes, you get into deep wave sleep. And that's where you get the sleep inertia and grogginess if you get woken during that period of time. I get cranky, my wife tells me. Um, should I drink warm or cold water? Because I tend to drink room temperature. Um, well, cold water increases your metabolism because you heat up the ice or water, um, and you have to heat it up with using body heat, and so that increases your metabolic rate a little bit. So if you're trying to lose weight by drinking water, a lot of water, as a lot of people do, that cold water is better than warm water. There's not many benefits from warm water. One big one, though, is that you dissolve, that, that medicines dissolve better in it. So if you're taking a medicine, you don't want it to land on your stomach lining, better to drink warm water and have the aspirin um, or whatever you're taking land in the warm water. 
Yeah, you always tell me because I take that uh, 81 milligrams every morning. You tell me take a take a half a glass of water before and then uh, room temperature, and that's what I've been doing. So I guess that's uh, we know that. Um, I've got, we got one more favorite topic here you want to hit before we get out of here, Doc? Well, this was a study from Mass General on medical marijuana, and what they found is it didn't help in overall in this large study. It didn't help people long-term with pain relief, anxiety, or depression. It did help them go to sleep and sleep better. Um, but at, but um, if you will, there was a marijuana addiction that developed in 20%, meaning the people, um, whether they got relief or not from their pain or their anxiety or their depression or their sleep, independent of that, they became uh, addicted to the marijuana. Now, wow. we don't know whether that's bad or good, but that was the uh, report from this large study out of Mass General. Okay. I appreciate that because I'm not a fan of recreational marijuana. I've seen uh, good things with medical, and uh, but I think a lot of people have cards that probably aren't medically necessary. That's my independent research. His name is Michael Roizen, and he is my friend. He's also a great mind in the world of health and medicine. And you should pre-order his book, The Great Age Reboot. You can order it now. It'll be here in September. And you'll learn all about the apps, et cetera, that go along with it. My friend, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure and very educational. My privilege. Thank you, Michael.